This is the 1230 TWC Business Beat Radio with Jackie Groundsell on Love to Beat Radio. Hello, 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 hello. And here we are at 1230 TWC Business Beat Radio show based here in Penge High Street. So welcome everybody, listeners new and familiar. And I have got the most fantastic lineup of speakers for you or my guests for you today but I will go through my little bits of paper that I need to let you know so do have pens and paper ready um, some shout outs so just just in case just for new listeners just to let you know that 1230 the women's company is about lunchtime networking for business women and this radio show is on every Monday two till five on my guests are sitting there staring at me which is most unnerving (laughs) (laughs) so it'll be their turn in a moment anyway so the show goes out two to four every monday set back holidays so i won't be here for the 14th of august however these are the shout outs we've got john parker who is our local handyman jp property care you can get him on 07956 119243 um so do do um keep an eye out for anything that he might be doing if you want a new bathroom new kitchen bit of wallpaper up whatever he's your man so what have we got coming up this week we've got our Orpington meeting which is on thursday the 3rd of august so at guess what time that is guess what time is it 12 30 well done chloe so all our lunchtime meetings are at 12.30 unless otherwise specified. So that's on um, the 3rd of August is Orpington. Bexley is on the 8th of August. And on the 14th of August, we've got our Seaside Day. So do have a look at that. That's being held in Birchington. Cat Webb, our host for that particular group, has opened up her wonderful um, 1940s B&B to us. Each room is themed, and I love saying this bit, she does tours in Beckenham. She does, Kat does um, David Bowie tours in Beckenham. So, of course, she's got a themed suite in the B&B. And if you want to have a shower with David Bowie, that's the place to go because you've got a life-size David Bowie in the shower. So, what else have we got coming up? Um... October is menopause month, so my menopause gang, the hot stuff menopause gang, they'll be doing something online for us then. And I missed out actually, the 20th of September, we've got a special event running in Bromley, venue to be confirmed. But it's a great lineup of speakers that you'll find uh, there for you. And the information will be up on the website very, very soon. So, let me have a quick look at the time. Um, It's 2.23. Wow, Matthew, according to my clock, it's 2.24 and 8 seconds now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to turn my speakers on now, my two wonderful guests. You are all hot and online. What a way to describe us, (laughs) hot and online. (laughs) I think that might be slightly mis-selling what we're here to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, 
the music that I played earlier, obviously the Sinead O'Connor in, in um, remembrance of her, and the Heart of Steel for Ukraine. Now, it's not, obviously not um, just for Ukraine that we're thinking of, but the whole world at the moment has got some disastrous things going on. So if that applies to you or you know anybody, just have a little think now and again to help them on their way. And whose birthday is it today? I don't know. Do you know anybody's birthday today? Not today. Not today, unfortunately. No, it was my daughter's two weeks ago. Oh, Can we, we could is, do that. Is that, that Matthew. Come okay, so my daughter Cleo had her birthday. She was uh, she was four years old oh, wow. on, the, uh, on the 12th. Okay. So uh, happy birthday, Cleo. Brilliant. Happy birthday to you. So the song was for you, Cleo. Is she listening in, do you think? Well, she's at nursery now, but she'll oh. catch up on the podcast. Oh, cool. That's good. So that's those songs. And then, as you know, all my guests have chosen their own pieces of music, which with a bit of luck and fair wind, we might be able to cover in today's radio show. Uh, those of you who were listening last week will know that um, things got a little bit out of hand in terms of which week's playlist you were actually listening to. But we're all here to have a good time. And that's what it's all about. My first guest, I'm just waiting for her to actually come online. Um... Oh, she's here actually now. So I'm going to play a little bit of music.
studio now and I'm delighted to let you know that my first guest today, Heather Masters, is ready and raring to go. And I'm going to... Heather, I can't get used to using a different surname because Heather and I have known each other for absolutely yonks, virtually from the point of when I started Twelford. Yes, I've, I've known you, yeah, right from the beginning, um, so quite some years. Is. Yeah, it is. It is. So let's have a little update um, on what you're actually doing at the moment. If you'd like to introduce yourself, Heather, please. Um, I'm Heather Masters, as you said. I'm a coach and a trainer and a technical writer. Um, so a lot of the training that I do is around software as a service and writing training programs for that, as well as coaching businesses in how to set up their marketing funnels and how to use software to to automate all of that as well. So um, one of the things that we touched on the other day was, um, yeah, thank you for the update now. Where are you based now, Heather? Sorry? Where are you based? I'm based in the middle of Kielder Forest up in Northumberland, the remotest village in England, apparently. The, the what? The remotest village, is it? Yeah, apparently. Oh wow! It's almost an hour from anywhere. <laughs> do you do you feel that? Do you? I mean, you drive, don't you? I do. Yes, and if I didn't, it would be impossible. There is a bus, but you actually have to book onto it, and it's twice a week, and it takes you out in the morning and brings you back in the afternoon. <laughs> so, wow! Yeah. But then, so how long have you been there? Six years now. So you, you obviously yes. like it. I do, I do. I mean, it's, it's absolutely stunningly beautiful. Um, I do lose a little bit of enthusiasm when we've had three weeks of solid rain at the moment. Yeah. But that's what you get for living under the reservoir, so yeah. Oh, are you? Oh, okay. Yes. Well, mind you, we've had a lot of rain here. I'll be, you'll be pleased to know, sort of. Can you hear me? Sorry. Sorry, you keep cutting out, so I, I'm missing you. Okay, no, that's not your fault. Um, I don't know. I think the gremlins are here. Can If I shout at you, can you hear it any better? Yeah, right, it's better. <laughs> I'll shout then. Okay, I'll deafen my guests in the studio. <laughs> okay, so, um, so have you got any plans to move or are you quite happy where you are by the sounds of it? Um, I'm quite happy, but I have I have an inkling that um, the universe might have something else in mind. So um, one of my big goals, or one of my, my life goal at the moment, is to create a community somewhere that cares for uh, sort of foster children, but in addition gives the opportunity for, for businesses to contribute by coming on retreats and, and helping with sort of self-sustainable work while working with the children as well in terms of educating them in business. Right. Oh, gosh. And, and where do you see that in terms of time scales? 
I'm thinking about six months to a year. Um, really? Let's be, not, let's be optimistic, but yes. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I was, definitely I'll watch this space then. Yeah, um, a few things have to happen before then, but uh, fingers crossed we'll see. So, so um, do you need a venue for this or how's it going to work? I, I will need a venue. And at the moment, what I'm looking at is um, talking to people who already have communities set up and retreat centres set up and seeing if there's anything in terms of partnerships that we can do. Oh, right. Yes, it's a collaboration, I think is the word, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So one of the things that we touched on that we thought we might have a look at today is um, life after caring. Now, that was one of the things that you yes. that you mentioned. So would you like to expand on that for us, Heather? Yeah, it's, it's a side project I'm doing locally, um, mainly around the Hexham area. Um, I cared for my parents for four years. Uh, both of them were very ill when I moved in with them. And I went through four years of caring and really experiencing what that's like, how it takes over your life. Um, I had to give up work. I gave up my home. And when it all finishes, um, I, I, didn't, I was lucky I had this home because we planned in advance. But otherwise, I wouldn't have had a home to go to. I didn't have a job. And you're supported for six weeks, basically. And then, you know, you're sort of out back trying to rebuild a life, which is quite difficult, if you can imagine, the, not just the grieving process, but then having to find work. And there's also, there's also this thing of creating habits around caring that you're no longer needed and you still might be on high alert. Um, and that's really, it's quite a difficult thing to let go of. Uh, you know, there's sometimes I, I'm still waking up in the middle of the night thinking that there's something urgent. Yeah. Because towards, yeah, towards the end, I was in A&E with my parents at least three times a week. So it was, um, you know, it, it becomes kind of inbuilt on alert system and and really releasing that because there is sort of trauma involved in all of that and releasing that as well as finding a job mm. going through all the grieving process doing all the arrangements for for funerals for wills for probate um there's there's a lot there and very little support out there yeah yeah no it's um is um just for our listeners heather actually you moved from orpington to the Midlands, didn't you? Move back home, as it were, with your family, with your parents, to be with your parents. Yes. Yeah. And um, yes, so, did. so where is your son at the moment? Is he still at uni? No, he's um, he's actually in Uxbridge working for Bosch. <laughs> yes. You get good washing IT, machine and all that. IT support, so. Oh, IT support. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Me being a bit flippant. Um, yeah. Oh no, that's good because that's that's obviously something that um, uh, that was your expertise, particularly, wasn't it, with um, the technical side of IT when when we first knew you, and um, yes. on, on the larger side with the corporates and everything. So, um, I mean, I've, I've 
lost my mum and dad, so I can empathise with some of the things that you're saying, but you were really entirely on your own managing that situation, weren't you? Yes, I mean, there were carers in place, but they have a limited amount of time, sort of 15-minute sessions, and they can only do a maximum um, per day. And my mum wanted to, to die at home, and she happened to choose Easter weekend where the carers were on holiday, most of them. And also, even though I requested support from Marie Curie, they wouldn't support me because they couldn't process over a bank holiday weekend. So I was very much left on my own over that period. And that was obviously the hardest part. So, yeah, it was, it was very difficult at times. Yeah. Yes, I could imagine it. I imagine it would be. Was 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 there anything? Um, what did you end up doing in the end, uh, Heather? To sort of, um, I mean, I know a lot of it must have come from yourself. But um, what did you end up doing to sort of negotiate that period that brings you to where you are today? Um, well, <laughs> I I moved into um, Hilda. And I, I took some time out because I had to clear the hat, my mum's house and sell the property, things like that. So it took a little bit of time out to do that. Sure. And then I, I worked locally. I, I worked for a restaurant and a cafe. So I took time out of, of my business side of things to really just get my feet on the ground and get myself sort of foundations in place, which kind of worked out well because we then went into COVID and lockdowns. So um, so I was, at one point, I had three local jobs during COVID and uh, that really, it kept me grounded, it kept me in touch with people, it kept me busy. And I think that's important, having something that gets you out of the house and that keeps you busy and meeting other people. I think that really helps in terms of... Um, really recovering from, from bereavement and loss. It's it's less time to, to think about things and to dwell. So have you have you got support now? Um only well re remotely and my my family, my cousins, um, I'm in touch with quite a lot now. Um, I created a podcast myself called Choosing Happy and um, the idea behind that was to support people, especially entrepreneurs who are in similar situations, especially through COVID, where they might be very remote and isolated and going through similar things because, because obviously there's been a lot of deaths during the last few years. And the idea was to, to give them habits and tips and uh, tricks about really keeping focused. Thank you so much. How do people, perhaps in a similar situation, actually get hold of you? In a similar situation, um, look at lifeaftercaring.com. I'm in the process of building the website and I'm putting some online resources there. Excellent. Okay, I'll speak to you again soon. Take care. 12.30 TWC, Business Beat Radio, Mondays 2 till 4pm UK time. Tips, inspiration, fun, tunes, for and from businesswomen. On all the socials, www.1230.co.uk, at Love to Beat Radio. I thought what we'd do is just catch up with um, 
Matthew and Co. really on the subject, the very difficult subject that Heather um, actually helped us with earlier and shared with us some of the difficulties that she experienced when she was caring for her parents in their last years. So, Chloe, I think you have something that you wanted to have in there. Yeah, I mean, it's really admirable um, what Heather's doing. It's obviously, emotionally, you stop your whole life, drop everything, you go and support your family, and then when that ends, it must be really difficult to transition back. But not only that, it's financial things. I mean, I've known people that have run two homes, travelling up and down the country, not being able to work. It must be so difficult. And to come through all of that and then sort of try and build your old life back together again, um, I think it's wonderful what Heather's doing, trying to provide that support. I'm sure there's thousands of people across the country that would really value that. So I really hope she gets it off the ground and I hope to hear more about what she's doing. It sounds amazing. Yeah, I mean, she's, she's the Heather I knew, very strong person. So I think at the core of it, she's very strong, very determined. Um, and obviously from what she was saying, and I think everybody who's listening can empathise in some way. And, and Matthew, you yeah, I mean, I've, I've had friends who've had to uh, nurse loved ones and care for loved ones and, and, and watch them pass. And actually, I, it's, it's in, I grief is an incredibly sort of fascinating and sort of compelling subject. But you, you, it, it sort of happens in, in obviously, it's grief it happens in different stages. We, we all know that. But there is the stage of, you know, I'm caring for them. I have a purpose. I have a, I have a reason to, to exist. I'm caring for this person. Then after they pass, I'm sorting out their estate. That's my purpose. That's when all of that's over. You really ask that. I think that's it's, it's almost like the grieving process starts all over again because you're sort of set adrift at that stage. And uh, it's, I found what she was saying really inspiring. And the fact that she's gone through it herself and uh, has done it with tremendous bravery and then also wants to use her own experiences to help other people. I mean, what an inspirational figure. Brilliant. You know, going through, uh, when, when I lost my mum and dad, there were certain things that my husband actually helped me with. Because he said, there's no way you'll be able to do that. Um, one of them was looking at photographs, uh, sorting through the photographs. Which sure. Lovely, lovely, lovely memories to come back to. But that takes such a long time. Yeah. And, and, and it sounds as if I'm being flippant here, but I'm not. It, but it is one of those things that I think everybody... And years ago, I knew somebody who threw away. She found all the family photos in the loft. She crossed the bounds, and she found the family photos in the loft, and she threw them off. And I could not believe why she'd actually done that. She'd obviously got her own very personal reason yeah. for doing that. But photographs, I think, are wonderful because you, it brings back such good memories for most of us. Um, yeah. In that, in that way. But Heather's right. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. There's so many decisions to make, and you can't imagine doing that on your own. So maybe you're not in a, a couple or something like that, but to literally be on your own in a town where you're miles away from other people. And when you're making all those decisions from, you know, the end-of-life decisions to the funeral decisions, it must be so difficult. You want to do your best, right? And every decision you sort of have anguish over and really take your time and be able to provide that support for others that are going through that. And that maybe you don't need to anguish over each decision and you are doing okay. I think it's just going to be amazing. Yeah, it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant resource. What, what a great person. It's really, it's great. No, it is, it is. And, and, and we'll bring her back and see how, because she's, she's, her target is six months to a year now. And that's yeah, yeah. But, you know, but you've got to appreciate that. 
best. Totally. I know she'll do it. I know she'll do it because just purely from the nature of the person that I've known all these years. So, you know, I know, I know she'll actually get on with it. And, of course, something like that gives you like, something really to focus on and to get right. And she's very able on the IT side of things. So she said she's building the website, so that will obviously come through. Um, but the bad FOMO, that was that was our fault, not her fault. Was it? Well, I'm going to say if she's if she's good at IT, you know. Oh, yeah, sorry. sorry. <laughs> oh dear, I missed that one. Man. It's all right. It's okay. Now we have seven minutes. Seven minutes. To the adverts kicking. So, Matthew, let's find out some more about. What would you like to know? I'm I'm a I'm a young 43 year old man. I've got, Watch out, ladies. got a, I've got a, I've got a wife and two kids, so sorry, sorry, ladies, yeah, taken. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a, a, a broadcaster and a, a writer, and I so, so write for a bunch of television shows, some of which you've almost certainly seen, some of which you definitely haven't. Um, but most recently, I've been working on uh, the Great British Bake Off and uh, the Last Leg. So you know, so that's 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 very much that's how I sort of earn my. Start then because I know I looked at something and it said you went to. I did, yeah, yeah. So I'm a, I'm a local boy from back in the day. Yeah, I left in 1998. So yeah, yeah. So I'm an, yeah, I went to um, went to Olabs and and then on to university. But it was always even at even at St Olabs, it was something I wanted to do was writing shows and writing kind of comedy, and uh, I would put on you know assemblies and stuff like that. And I, that was that was always be my kind of focus uh more so often than, than schoolwork. obviously if there are any young people listening do stay in school it's very important and do pay attention to your teachers because they're usually right um but my teachers will often say yeah you've got to put the caveat in because you know you know what you know i'm just i just happen to be lucky um but but it, it, it was that was the thing i always wanted to do at school and my school reports would be like you know if only spent a bit more time studying his latin than he did putting on these silly little shows maybe you might get somewhere and like luckily enough i've managed to sort of focus on the, the silly little shows and uh, don't use latin all that often no you never know you never know, you know that's gonna be don't want to don't want to rule it out so i'm sure i can still remember a few words you, you mentioned a british bake-off yes are you a guest on it or what are you writing or, or what actually does it involve are you involved the thing people always want to know is, do I get to eat the cakes? That's basically the. That's basically what people want to know. Do you get to get stand in a tent and eat the cakes? No, no, I haven't. I've, I, um, I, I do it all from. I do it all from my house in Beckenham. They send me the. the they send me the. Uh, which you know what, what week it's going to be? It's going to be pastry week, or it's going to be biscuit week, or it's going to be chocolate week. And uh, so I write a little sketch for the start of the show, the little sketch that last series it was Matt Lucas and Noel Fielding. This series it's Alison Hammond and Noel Fielding. Uh, so write that little sketch, and um, and then the launches, which is them explaining you, you you know if they're explaining what the judges want them to make, and you try and write that in as entertaining a way possible. But it does mean that I just sit in like you know all. Well, since the last sort of three, four months where we've been doing the series, it finished last week, but the sort of my side of it did. Um, I, you just sit in your house all day and think about cakes. And so it gets to lunchtime and I'm like, I've just got to eat something sweet. I've just, you know, like you're just sitting there salivating. Um, so I eat a lot of biscuits and, um, you know, lots of 
you know, I try not to eat too many cakes, but you know, sometimes when you're thinking about it all day. People want to comment, how would they get? They can get in touch with me through Instagram or through Twitter while it still exists. I don't know how long Twitter's going to be. <laughs> yeah, it's a big. Yeah, that's that's a bigger question. We're not going to answer today. Um, X.com, as it's now known, it's no longer Twitter. But yeah, Instagram. So people can find me on Instagram. That's kind of where I do. And actually, I, I don't know if you experienced this now. I mean, we connected through Facebook, but it oh, feels like the Pam, Ford. Pam Ford, who yes. was at the first, I think the first ever gig I ever did in London oh, back in the sort of early 2000s. Yeah. So I've known Pam for a very long time. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, that's kind of how a lot of work seems to happen now. It's a sort of strangely informal world we're living in where people can just sort of rock up into your, into your DMs and, uh, you know, suddenly you're... Suddenly you're on uh, Love to Beat Radio. So you're on the, uh, you know, the 12.30 show. You've reached it now. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> you know. Where would I have been without you today? <laughs> so, well, that, that's why I didn't know about that. You seem like you know what you're doing. <laughs> you're too kind. Thank you for that. Um, and we're going to obviously come back to you and expand on, on um, what you're doing. Absolutely. How it all works and all the rest of it. But Chloe, just um, a couple of minute and a half just to introduce I'm Chloe. I'm a friend of Jackie's. Uh, Jackie and I have worked for a really long time doing lots of community work in Beckenham, uh, various things. Um, and I like to run events, and Jackie's been helping me out with my events on Beckenham Green over the last few years. And um, I'm also a ward councillor for my sins, so I'm elected official for Beckenham as well. 30 TWC, Business Beat Radio, Mondays 2 till 4pm UK time. Tips, inspiration, fun, tunes, for and from business women on all the socials, www.1230.co.uk at Love to Beat Radio. Hello and we're back in the studio and I hope the kettle was hot and you've been able to make your coffee or you've got the champagne out or whatever it is you like to do at this time of day, particularly for those of you with children. Are they in nursery school? Have you got them all day? What's actually going on? Um, so, regular listeners will know that this is uh, 12.30 Women's Company. We're lunchtime networking for business women. You'll be able to find us online, all the W's, 1230.co.uk. This particular programme and all other programmes with us on a Monday are recorded and our podcast will be available next Friday. So have a look on the website, you'll see it says podcast and guess what, you'll find this show here. Um, also just to remind you that following me is the wonderful Ozzy Osman who has his own indie rock style which he will be following on bang on four o'clock today. So... Let's go back to my guest, Chloe. Hi. <laughs> what? I mean, there's been all sorts of things. We were, I was saying to you the other day, please, can we have the Christmas parade back? Oh, I don't know whether we can have the Christmas parade back, but we did it on what, £1.51, yeah? Oh, yeah, that was great. I remember we were in the George pub and I roped in a load of friends of mine for somewhere else and some neighbours and some work colleagues. I dragged them all to the pub and made them make all those little lanterns up. Yeah. They were so cute. That was really good. We did that for a few years of running the Christmas parade. Yeah. Would be nice to, would be nice to get it back again. Um, but we need a big Christmas event to um, to have at the other end. Yes. And um, on the green. 
yeah, as we know, the, the bid, the Beckenham bid took over running those sorts of events in Beckenham, but that's now ceased to operate. So there's a bit of a vacuum until something else comes up in its place. But certainly if there are any opportunities that are for us to get involved and do something, um, I'd definitely be with you, Jackie. We can yeah. see if we can get that up again, especially when we had the Rotary and Father Christmas oh, no. and the little know. car that came down the high street. It was yeah. really cute. The kids well, loved you did, it. You did um, a pink. Um, car didn't you? you had one a year. car one yeah. year and then I think the last one was the one where we had the white carriage with the white horses and it carried Father Christmas all through the town which was um, with the choir, various choirs along the road and everything it, I mean it really is it is wonderful but um, it's uh, yeah well the buses were still running and I can remember the poor bus got stuck at the lights oh. by Nat West and had to wait for like thousands of people to cross the road <laughs> before he could move off and he was getting very frustrated uh, there's all those sorts of things it, but it's such it's such a community effort isn't yeah, it yeah um, because we had the cadets the local cadets helped you mentioned rotary with the supervision and making sure people were safe um the church you rang their bells rotary. you yeah. remember they rang their bells they'd appeal at the end of the event yeah. christmas appeal yeah it was really good when we were doing those events yeah that was and, and you did the quarterly ones as well didn't you markets on the green Yep, so pre-COVID we were doing those. Um, we stopped doing them as, as much. It was a bit hard to get back into it um, after COVID. And being voluntary mm. group, I think you're a bit more, like if you're a business, you're like, I have to get back out there. You know, my business has got to operate. Whereas when you're a voluntary group, I think you're probably a bit more cautious around COVID and things. So it took us a while to get to get back out there. But um, And then a friend of ours, Kat, approached us because she wanted to do something to celebrate David Bowie. And I was like, well, I've got this great format for a market. Aha, a bit of a mashup. So we started our Ziggy Stardust Family Fun Day, uh, which has been, we've run it twice now. It's been a huge success. And for me, one of the biggest things that makes an event on the green successful is to make it family orientated. For families, involve school kids. So it turns out there are some amazing, uh, musically talented kids in Beckenham and we were able to provide them a full stage with PA system. They were coming down with their drum kits and, you know, had roadies and we had to couple of professional What about with his electric oh, incredible. incredible. Did you see him, Matt? I don't know if I saw him because I, I didn't, I mean, I, I, I saw the posters for the event and thought, oh yeah, I'll go to that. And I was driving my daughter to, uh, to swimming and I saw it was all happening. I was like, well, as soon as swimming's over... We'll come straight back, and we, and we did. So I, I caught a handful of bands. I know I saw the Pips, who are a little bit older, I think. Are they from Harris Academy? Is that, yeah. That's right, yeah. So I definitely saw, saw those guys and whoever was, was on um, before. There was a... was was, was, was Who was the young, the very young singer? Was that the... the yeah, was that... His electric guitar. Was, was his name Zach or... Zane. Zane. Zane, right, yes, yeah. I'll show you a clip after the show. Yeah, please do. Playing Hendrix, perfect on it. Amazing, yeah. I mean, it blew everyone away. People were just gobsmacked. That was it. Yeah, I, I could have put, you know. And he got his little friends up on the stage dancing with him. So they're all these late year That's so night. great. Well, I could have watched it. Honestly, it's great. It's a bit, you know, like, obviously, it's a bit like going to any festival event, even on a small scale. There's so many things going on. You know, obviously, my kids wanted to do the, the, the fun fair, and then there was the, the, the drawing and painting crafts, and uh, I wanted to watch the bands. It was great. It was lovely. It seemed like everyone... Uh, Everyone was pretty well represented, but it was, it was such a fun day. It was really, really great. I think it was great. I mean, that, that's you couldn't have pleased us more by saying that because that was our aim, was to actually cover as many, as much as we possibly could. The children with the, the schools contributed and got the children doing things because 
Okay, whether you like David Bowie or not as a musician, he was a very gifted artist, yeah. um, musician. And a big and part of this area's history, yes, you know, certainly, absolutely. you know, South, South East London, uh, Beckenham, Bromley, that sort of, you know, that was, he's one of our, he's one of our greatest sort of exports, really. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And inspired so many artists since then, you know, male, female groups, whatever. Yeah. You know, a lot of them will have David Bowie in their repertoire, so yeah. it's really important we celebrate him. Yeah. So we do that on Beckenham Green, but don't forget on the 14th of August, with 12.30, you must go to Birchington and have a shower with him, with David Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> <Have a shower. laughs> how, how many people are allowed in the shower at any one time? Yeah, I mean, actually, uh, <laughs> we, we could have a competition on that, couldn't we? How many people dressed as David Bowie can get into a shower with David Bowie? Yeah, yeah it's not a bad idea. Yeah, no, no, so, so, no it, it, we've, we've been very pleased. I mean, obviously, there's always room for improvement with things. Um, and we know that there's going to be ongoing things that we can improve and we can enhance as well. But that core of covering the families, all the age groups and the schools involvement and everything is just so important. And I think we've actually we've actually achieved that. It can only get not. I was going to say bigger and better, but we don't. With the green being the size it is, it can't necessarily be bigger in that way. But the in terms of numbers, but the actual content of it. Um, it is just awesome. We, we've been very pleased. As I say, always room for improvement. It's good as well because obviously I've got very little kids. My eldest is four. We obviously gave, gave her a shout out. My, my youngest is nearly two. So that can be quite a tricky age for finding things that they can take part in, you know, because they don't have the attention span to sort of, you know, you can't even watch a film all the way through without getting so it. So it is tricky. But, um, you know, it's, the, it's a lovely contained area. It feels very safe. There's always things to do. Um, obviously, I don't let them run off on their own at that age. But, you know, I, I, I felt there was always things that, you know, it wasn't just catering for sort of, you know, eight, eight and above. But at the end of it, you know, the, the, the final, um, uh, it was the Spiders from Sydenham who closed the, closed oh, the show. Good, Fantastic. Well, yeah. oh, they, were, they were brilliant. And, um, you know, there were people... I know. Well, all, 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 well, exactly the same. There were people, you know, all the way up to I don't know what age, but you know, my my two year old was right at the front of the stage dancing, and I think that's that's brilliant that you can do do that where everybody can kind of be involved, everyone in the community can get take part in that. Well, I mean, you, you mentioned the fun fair and Jimmy um, Bottom. Yes, Jimmy Bottom. Jimmy Bottom. We always um, he always comes to our events because he knows what we have in mind and he knows the sort of. Um, rides and things that are going to work for, for our audience and, and they're always great as well aren't they it's not and there was also the games um the snakes and ladders the big games on the grass that people were playing with and dad was sat down doing all the connect and all the rest of it that was going on there so that's what makes the events great and there's lots of things and um i've always loved it because the traders have always said to us we really love coming to your event because it feels like a little community I think it's because we're all volunteers. We're genuinely putting our heart into it mm. uh, and all of our time into it. And we just want it to be as amazing as it is. And that vibe comes off when you're on the green. Yeah. And, um, you know, children singing always makes me cry with joy. And then when everyone's up dancing at the end, so if I've got a tear in my eye, by the end of the day, that then you know it's been a great day. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. No, exactly. But you're right, though. People, people are, um, the storeholders um, are also part of that vibe, aren't they? Some of them have been coming. So we first started that event, not that with the, the barrel, the, the market green. on the green. It's had 
various themes, mm. but we started it in 2013. Did you? So, yeah, we managed to get some lottery funding mm. um, because the residents were saying, oh, we want to have markets on the green. And the council were doing these renter-themed markets, which were a little bit inauthentic, but they didn't have any entertainment. It wasn't very social. So, yeah, we started that off, and we were a victim of our success. So the next year, we had another one and keep doing them. Mm-hmm. But I'm just loving this format at the moment. I'm really enjoying, you know, being able to have the school so on board and, and sort of adjusting their curriculums in a way because yes. they know they can now come and work towards that performance yes. and get their kids ready to come and perform live for their community. It's amazing. Yeah, no, yeah. it is. It is. And, and you're right, though. They, they do adjust the curriculum mm. and because when I was talking to one of the mums and she was saying her son um, had been doing that at school and it was all part and parcel of the curriculum, which I think is great. And it, as you touched on earlier, Matthew, it, David Bowie is, is history of Beckenham. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's obviously there's, there's a, a handful of people who come from this area. In fact, the the record shop on Penge High Street for a oh, while, corner. yeah, yeah. Uh, so just a few, you know, a few yards from from where we're recording this, had a, a brilliant uh, uh, sort of uh, stitched together, hand woven sort of mural of all of the artists who've lived in and around this area. You know, Sid Vicious from the Sex Pistols lived on Maple Road, apparently, which I didn't, which I didn't know. I don't think we're going to have like you know, Vicious Fest happening uh, in Beckenham anytime soon. Who knows? You never know. But uh, yeah, yeah. But 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 it, it, there is there is um, you know, there's a, a sort of rich musical community from Bromley and, and yeah. the southeast and uh, from somewhere around. Here? Yes, yeah. down the road. You yeah. know where the Boys Senior School is, yeah. opposite. Um, Oh, who was it? Bill? I want to say it's. I want to say it's Bill Wyman as well, but maybe yes. it's maybe it's not. Yeah. But yeah, his 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 surname was actually Perks. And have you heard of Peggy Spencer? Yes. Right. Yeah. I used to go dancing at Peggy Spencer, and I danced with Paul Perks. Oh, just to dance, Jackie. Oh, no. <laughs> just to dance. <laughs> just to dance. <laughs> you get your little twinkle in her eye. My husband says he's listening. But no, he did, they did, he did. He lived there. They lived there. And the family, as far as I'm aware, the family is still in the area. And his cousin, um, oh, my name escapes me. When there used to be a proper market, fruit and veg market in Maple Road, mm. his cousin um, ran a stall there for a long, long time. The Rolling Stones has actually got a lot of musical history in this area. And also, what is now, do they call it Blush? What was the bridge bar? Yes, yeah, Blush, of, Blush on the Bridge is renamed. Yeah. Um, they had big names there, even, um, I want to say Tina Turner. It was, like and Tina Turner. Yeah. yeah, definitely, they went there. Yeah, so, so you know, historically, we Beckenham, Stroke, Penge, um, a lot of musical history there. This is the 1230 TWC Business Beat Radio with Jackie Groundsell on Love to Beat Radio. And welcome back into the studio. Matthew. Hello. Then. <laughs> you, you've given us some idea of the things that you actually cover and the programs that you cover. And you mentioned it was something that you've always wanted to do from school. But was there a particular break that you remember what actually gave you that opportunity to get out there that's a really good question i mean breaks are sort of funny thing isn't it because i think anyone who wants to do something you realize it's a series of little tiny tiny breaks very few people have a you know have a big break where suddenly everything changes for them it's just a kind of incremental sorry i just kept plugging away at it but i think if there was anything i could attribute 
being able to do this for a living, it would be starting at the Edinburgh Festival. So that's that's actually a lot of my friends are, are going up there right now to uh, to take a show up there for for the month. Um, people who don't know, Edinburgh gets basically taken over for the entire month of August by well, quite a lot of people from London actually. <laughs> lots of lots of uh, lots of uh, uh, drama productions, theatre productions, dance, uh, music, and a lot of comedy. Uh, and especially now, more so than ever, thousands of people go up with comedy shows, uh, sketch teams and stand-ups and everything else. Uh, and they, they spend a whole month there performing. And a, a couple of things happen. You sort of hope that you'll sort of raise your status a little bit. People will see your show. They'll talk about it. Perhaps it will get written about in a newspaper. Uh, and people will, will, will hear about you and your sort of your standing in the industry will slightly change. You also hope that you'll just get better at it. You know, it's a great, it's a great way of, you know, you're, you're there for a month doing, you might do 25, your show 25 times on the bounce. It's basically like having a little residency. You do your show the same time, same day, sorry, same time, same venue every day for 25 nights. And uh, you come away just getting much better. And uh, yeah, that's, so that's, that's where I started. And I did, I did Edinburgh, the first one was 2006 and I did it every year to 2012 that was the that was the last no i then did 2015 that was the last time i did a full edinburgh run i've been up there as a director and stuff since but but yeah and i loved it and we did a a show i was in a sketch team i am still in a sketch team called um pappies and the second show we did got nominated for the edinburgh comedy award what was known as the perrier at the time and then uh then we got nominated again in 2012 um, and we didn't win either time, so we thought, well, <laughs> getting nominated twice is pretty nice. Let's cut our losses and, you know, move on to other things. And, yeah, so it's, but I think that's, that, and it's, it's funny now because August is a, is a strange month. If you've ever done the Edinburgh Festival, you always, if I run into another comic this week, we'll both be asking each other, are you doing Edinburgh this year? Is that happening? You know, it's, you're either doing, yeah, you're either doing it or not doing, doing it for, for forever. I reckon I could be in my 80s and I'll run into another comic and they'll go, are you doing The Fringe this year? Are you still doing The Fringe? Uh, I will we'll go and do it again. It's been a little, a little while. Um, but yeah, it's, it's what I miss. Pam, she does it as well. She it? does it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pam, Pam does The Fringe. Mm. I mean, I mean, everyone, kind of basically everyone who's in comedy, all the comedians you, you see on the telly that you love will have done at least a, a, a month at the Edinburgh Fringe. At, at some point it's very rare it just seems like that's the way especially with television comedy now it seems like that's the way that people kind of make their make their career or it's, only, it's a part of how they make their career mm-hmm. and uh, you know, my wife is a television producer so she's going to go up to see you know to, we were sitting down this afternoon over lunch working out you know who's who's going to be good this year because a lot of the people who are very hotly tipped you haven't heard of yet because they're you know you want to be that's what you want to do you want to get you want to get in when somebody already knows you're good you know because everyone knows it already you want to be the person who discovers that person and see you know i saw them i saw them performing to seven people you know at midnight in this terrible venue and it was you know but they were brilliant and now they're a big star that's kind of what you're you're hoping for so what was your worst um what was your worst one? Do you oh, my goodness. Heckling, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I will, yeah, you have hecklers. It's actually like, I think people think heckling is a bigger part of comedy than it is. People sometimes will chip in. They're normally trying to be helpful. Right? Like, it's very rare you'll get a, 
get off your rubbish. I mean, we've had that, but you know, it's, luckily that's not something that happens very often. But uh, but yeah, they, they often think they're trying to. They, they've thought of a funny thing that they want to shout out, and they'll 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 chip in. And most of the time, you you think, come on, we've worked on this. You know, <laughs> we spent a lot of time working out what's the funniest thing. Is it, do you really think you're going to come up with it after seven pints? Probably not. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but no. The, the actual worst experience I had in the Edinburgh Fringe, I did before I did, I was so obsessed with going up there. He's got there as a punter. And then someone from my, my brother's university, this was in 2002, so I was in my early 20s. And someone from my brother's university uh, asked him if he would go up and do a play. And he said, I won't, but my brother goes up to the Edinburgh Festival every year. I'll, so I just I just went and did a play with a bunch of strangers. They never met me. I'm not entirely sure why they said yes. Um, and we did this play every night at 10.50. And uh, it was in the round, which meant that, you know, all, all the audience are sat all around you. You can't escape, can you? Well, you can't escape. But also, when there's one person in the audience, it means oh. there's no point. Because like, the idea is you've sort, of, you're sort, of, you're sort of got the idea of, like, well, I'll move over to this bit of the stage. And these people get a chance to see what's going on. And then I'll move over to this bit of the stage. But we had just kind of basically, there was about 15 people in the cast. We had to perform it to this one person. I don't know who the person was. But, I mean... My absolute nightmare. More, I think it's easier to be in the show than to be in the audience in that circumstance. Do you not think so? Do you not think like um, I would hate to be to be the only person in an audience because it's just such a pressure to enjoy yourself, isn't there? Such a pressure to have a big sort of Richter's grin on your face and laugh in all the right places. Or you grab your phone and go, "Oh, sorry." Go. I've got to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I think that's what, that's what I would do. Yeah, just I can't, I can't handle this. I can't. You mentioned your brother earlier. Is he involved in in your world as such, or? or? Well, he's involved in my world, yeah, because he's my brother. But <laughs> no, no, I know what you mean. No, no, no. no. Uh, yeah, no, he's uh, he works for he works uh, in the civil service, so he's uh, he's doing something genuinely important. <laughs> well, yeah, but he can't tell me anything, cause, you know, because he's he's just a sign NDAs, and it's all you know. He works in cyber security, so I think if I was to talk about. If I was to tell too many things about his job on the air, it would cause, you know, be a, you know, it could cause a, a national emergency. He's got some really important, uh, important stuff on files, you know. Um, but no, like, well, you know, my whole family, I'm from a family of uh, four kids, and uh, we all, I, I, I genuinely laugh so much when I'm with my family. We all make each other laugh. You know, I'm not necessarily the, the funniest member of my family. I'm just the one who was the biggest show off. <laughs> you know, de- the most desperate for outside validation, I think, is what it was. So, so historically, your parents there's nothing in, in that type of world that you're in now, except that you are obviously all a very loving, amusing type of family. Yeah, well, I'm not. An, I'm not a nepo baby. If that's what you're asking, I'm not. I don't. You know, my my parents aren't. You know, Jack D and Miranda Hart. No, they're 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 just two very lovely people from Bromley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, all power to you then. All power to your elbow. Yeah. Please, can I have your autograph before you go today? Yeah, if you, if, sure, absolutely. If you want my autograph, yeah, and we'll do we'll do selfies. I'll get I'll get a selfie with you. You can have my autograph. How's that? Oh, that sounds fair. Yeah, that that's fair. We'll let Chloe. Chloe, you're more than welcome in the selfie. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. So you're not going up to Edinburgh to do anything this year? No, I'm not. And it's I think the only, the last few times I've been up there, I've been up uh, directing shows, and I've really enjoyed that. But I've I've I really don't. I don't feel comfortable. It's a bit like you know, if you if you work somewhere, 
you don't ever want to go up there and just hang out. You know, like an, it's like an art going up to your old job and just wandering around. Or it's, actually, it's totally more like it's more like walk going to, to your old university campus and just having a wander around. And you think, I used to, I not you know, I used to be really involved in this, and now I'm not. You know, I still know loads of people that are up there, but it's not the it's not the same the same thing. And if I was up there doing my own show, which hopefully I will do again uh, when the kids are a bit older, uh, that would be a different thing. But when you're going up, you just feel like you know, I'm not I'm not a performer up there, but I'm also not quite a punter, so you sort of fall between. But I do miss it, and I'm very jealous. I'm like you know, obviously my wife gets to go up there for for three or four uh, days. And she's got a real good reason because she's up there to see, see who's, see, she's there, she's there talent spotting and, and trying to make some connections. And, um, I do miss not having a good reason to go up there, but, uh, you know, got well, a, we have to get a, a Beckenham mob to go. You need a 2030 correspondent to go up and pull back. Don't that's you? what you need. Yeah. That's what I'll do for you next year. I'll go up there and I can, I can report back. I'll tell you who's, who are the ones to watch. Yeah. I wonder if we do have a Beckham comedian. Don't we, Joe Kamali? Is it? Jodie Kamali. Yeah, Jody. I know Jodie. Of course, I know Jodie. Yeah, he's great. He is. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to find out. But yeah, Jodie is absolutely brilliant. I love him. He's great. Yeah, yeah. And I, I met Jodie from the circuit. And in fact, I worked with him on one of his Edinburgh shows one year. Um, but I met him from the circuit, and then I would bump into him kind of in this area. And yeah, he he lived just around the corner from me. He's great, yeah. Jodie's brilliant. Did one of our markets years ago as well. Did he? Yeah. Did he? Yeah, yeah, he's very nice. Yeah. He's very funny, yeah. Yeah, he's great, Jodie. Yeah. So, okay, well, we'll give you a bit of a breather now. Okay. We'll come back to you in a moment. I'm sure. Chloe, over to you now. What? Now I'm thinking comedy on the green. Yeah. My head's moving on from could you, Yeah, you could do a little outdoor comedy yeah, festival. It's not, it's not a bad idea at all, you know. So we might have to sort that out for next summer. Yeah. So whilst Edinburgh's going on, we'll have our own little uh, comedy show. Group. Yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah. I mean, let's start. I mean, touch wood, we've been very lucky, haven't we, with the weather? I mean, I, re- I remember one year when it was absolutely horrendous and chucking it down, but through the day it cleared. Um, so we, we, can't, we, we can't do anything about that, can you? I don't watch the weather report. My husband watches it for two weeks prior to the event. Mm. So don't tell me, unless it's going to be severe wind that I have to cancel, I don't want to know. But often, it does predict rain, and we're just really lucky that it clears. Yeah, so. yeah. 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 No, I think, um, and I think, actually, I think it was predicted, wasn't it, this year, when we didn't get cleared. So, Chloe, what are you up to? Now, I know we weren't going to mention council and things like that, but um, you are a local councillor. Uh, what started you on that route? What made you want to go in that direction well I've always done residence association stuff haven't I for donkeys I was a cricket widow my husband used to play a lot of cricket right and um, the local residence association was saying and I get bored watching that much cricket if you're really good at cricket it's fun to watch but when you're oh, that good at cricket it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell him I said that um, so the local group was like oh we really need some people to help I, was, I could do this one small thing to help and of course a couple of years later you're sort of running the whole thing so I was already doing lots of work. Um, the Residents Association covers the whole of, of the ward. Um, I was happy doing that, and I was approached by different people to become a councillor for different parties, and I'd always sort of said no. And for me, Brexit happened, and I was a crazy pro-Europe, what are we doing? Um, sure, of course, yeah. So I couldn't believe that someone was going to take my daughter's um, maroon passport away from her and stop her being able to live, love, and fall in love in all these European countries, and... 
that was it. I kind of got involved and then I got involved with Lib Dems and then I thought, well, I'm going to stand for council. And actually, it ties quite a lot with what I was already doing. I was sort of already doing a lot of that work, um, helping residents and trying to make keep Beckenham a great place to live and make sure we get good investment in our town centre and sort of now I can do it more formally. And it's been really useful because we have our meetings, don't we, Jackie? And uh, now I can say, oh, I'll email and find out about that from the council and somebody has to actually respond to me. Whereas when we were more sort of resident campaigners, it was harder work. Yeah. Find the answers or find the right people. Whereas now I've sort of got a line, a line you've in. You've got that umbrella, yeah. haven't you? Yeah. Well, you've got that line in, as you say. But the town centre team, being that umbrella of all those smaller groups that you yeah. mentioned earlier, because lots of fantastic, worthy organisations within the area, but nobody talking to each other. Nobody, you know, they were all doing their own thing wonderfully, but not talking to each other. And Chloe, at that time, brought all those together as uh, the town centre team, and now there's always representatives of all those, well, as many as can make it, um, at the meetings, which we now do online, um, which I think suits a lot of people because we're so time poor, aren't we, with everything. And I think the fact that you've got, Okay, you can't tell us the secrets, but <laughs> you've at least got that line that you mentioned earlier with various um, government stroke council things that yeah. are going on locally. I like to get back out. Um, online's great because it does increase participation. More people can come and mm. they can be quickly available for an hour or 45 minutes. Mm. But I definitely miss sitting in a room with people yeah. and Different you know having vibe. that connection and that good eye contact. So, you know, I keep saying we must get us... All, all back in a room soon. We can all get there. But it's like this, isn't it? You yeah. get, um, um, you'll know, Matthew, and you as well, you've just touched on it, Claire. The fact that you've got face-to-face contact, you've actually got people, human being contact, you get a much better vibe. And it's great when people can actually zoom in because there is no other choice to the show, but to actually have people in the studio makes a, a, a different feel altogether. And I think you're right. I mean, we're, we're, maybe we can... Maybe we need to look at the next one, maybe. So once you've been, if you've been on a Zoom with someone, you're probably not going to say hi to them on the street if you bump into them. But luckily for Matthew, every time I see him now... Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't avoid, can't avoid you guys. How much, how much like the, um, the that viral clip with Jackie Weaver... Uh, do you know the clip I'm talking about? I'm sure, yeah. How much is it like that? Does it ever descend into that kind of, you know, are people arguing? Do you have to shut people down? Do you have to mute people? Have you, have you kicked people out? No, so the council stuff's not done on the I haven't had to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it can, it can get a bit testy in the council chamber. There's no doubt about that sometimes. And there's a couple of particular councils that I won't name, but they're famed for, like, coming out with a controversial statement. Or, sure. You know, just pressing the button, pressing someone's button, you know, so that does happen, so. I mean, that, that was brilliant telly, that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it made, a, it made a real star of Jackie Weaver, she was, um, we, we had her on the last leg, you know, she was, yeah, 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 for, for a little brief period, she got her, her 15 minutes, um, I, I hope she, you know, hope she's still capitalising on it. I think, know, she, it was... I think she's had a book and other things. Great. But what I loved about that is it sent all the sort of politics and government nerds into overdrive because there were tons of podcasts about whether she was correct if the standing orders allowed her to do what she could do. And there were all these. Did she have the authority? Yeah, that was the question, yeah. And I think the, the one of these guys that runs the Good Law Project, so quite an esteemed person, I think he did an analysis of it and decided she did. So I'm going with him on that. You know? Yeah, great. I'm pro Jackie Weaver, yeah. I'm Team Weaver. Interesting as 
well. Oh. I think people looking at it from outside, just like... Because I didn't yeah. realise, when I first started watching it, I just thought it was, a, you know, like a real, a little snippet of something. And then, of course, it just grew and grew and grew. Yeah. <laughs> just amazing. Just amazing. Yes, it wasn't a spoof. That was the no. thing. No. <laughs> no. No, no, it was amazing. It was, it, you're right, because it, it was happening during lockdown, when everyone sort of did have time on their hands. Now if someone sends you a video that's longer than, you know, a minute, you're like, well, I'm not going to watch this, am I? But I, I've probably watched, you know, most of the most of the meeting. It was just, yeah. it was, yeah, it was really kind of compelling. It was. Yeah, no, it was compelling. It was just, um, yeah. It was a little bit girl power as well. Well, so we, we, like we, we, we like it. We like a bit of girl. Of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Down with. We're all rooting for Jackie. Come on, Jackie. Down with Alan's iPad. Is the, uh, the sort of the villain of the piece. Oh dear, oh dear. So, what's on the agenda next for you, um, Matthew? Have you got something particularly lined up? Uh, well, you know. Just hoping that more shows start. It's a quite, a, quite an odd time for the entertainment, um, in that lots of things are. Lots of things are stopping. Quite a few shows I worked on have uh, seemed to be stopping, and uh, uh, you know, which hope it, they've sort of run their course and something else. I think there's, I think there's a bit of a sort of uh, money problem going on in telly at the moment. Right. Uh, so there's, there's that. But uh, I still do the radio show. I do the radio show on, on uh, Radio X every uh, every Sunday if we're allowed to promo a rival radio station uh, but yeah so radio x uh, sunday morning i do the breakfast show uh, and that's um that's i continue to do that uh, i do uh, a, a podcast and we've got a bunch of live uh, shows coming up in september october that's called pappy's flat share slam down and that's like a live panel show so we do that uh, in a in a pub in um uh, it's called the phoenix in uh in cavendish square in the center of town and so Doing, doing more of those and uh and yeah yeah just last leg still happening and that kind of thing so it's 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 kind of more of more of the same um but there's a there's a feeling in the entertainment industry that we've all got to kind of hold our nerve a little bit because um yeah yeah i think so yeah i think there's just a lot of um i think i think advertising revenue is just not what well, it is again it's, it comes back to covid you know people are People are spending in different ways and things are getting more expensive and you're going through, obviously it's an incredibly tricky time for so many people, the cost of living crisis as it's being called. It, you know, everything, it has a knock on in kind of every aspect, including the entertainment industry, um, which is why I like doing live things because you can kind of just, it's, it's, you know, you don't, you're not relying on live things and podcasts and the radio, you're relying less on commissioners and money people to tell you what you can and can't do um the revolution of podcasts i mean it's been incredible hasn't it i mean oh, through covid every, it, yeah. everyone came out of covid and if they didn't have a podcast they were getting a podcast and that's mainly what i listen to now is podcasts yeah news ones funny ones like well, lifestyle I, ones i think that's that's what's really interesting as well is that you don't have to put on the telly and go what's on tonight you can literally now go well this is a thing i'm really interested in and there's a podcast that's got 60 episodes. I can just listen to all of these. Or this is a this is a person I really like. You don't have to wait for them to come on the telly. You can go, well, I can go and find their podcast. And that's, you know, I can spend time with them. And it's a very different... Yeah, it's, it's like radio. That's what I like about radio. It's a very different relationship. Because um, you're, you're, they're in your ears. It feels very personal. It feels like, you know, I've certainly got podcasts that I listen to that I feel like I know 
the hosts, despite having never met them before. And I think that's what people really needed in in lockdown. It was that connection. Uh, and when we when lockdown started, we started doing our podcast every day. We did a daily podcast, and then slowly went down to three times a week, twice a week, and now it's now it's it's once a week. But we had people listening every single day, and it was great to you know. People have actually people have gone back and listened to the early ones who've joined our Patreon a bit late, and they've said um, it's really interesting listening to people talking about the you know the pandemic in the first few weeks. And they were, you know we, were, we never knew how long it was going to last. We were like oh, a couple of weeks of lockdown, and then we're all back to normal. And then three years down the line, it was still still rumbling on. So I think it was it was good to have people going through this. You know just just to feel a little bit less alone. You know, even if you were living with other people, you just went, oh, the entire world's experiencing this. No. You know, the people in America are experiencing this. Like, I listen to their podcasts, or, you know, Australia or whatever. They are all going through the exact same the exact same thing. Yeah. Especially the comedy ones. I say oh, that lockdown parenting hell got me through lockdown. Yeah, that's... <laughs> because a... it just made me laugh. I could put it on, and you were stuck in the house. Yeah. You've watched everything you're going to watch. You know, Netflix has started running out of stuff, and you put on a funny podcast. It's just... You know, something different every couple of days, and really cheap. Yeah, they're, uh, Josh and Rob are yeah. obviously they're, they're brilliant. And I, 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 I did an episode of Parenting Hell right in the middle of lockdown. Right, oh, it really was. You have to, yeah, you have, and it's. But I, I'd love to listen to it again myself because it was hadn't hadn't moved to Beckenham. I only had one kid, still living in a one bedroom flat. We were planning to move. We were looking at houses the weekend when lockdown was kind of basically announced and we were just stuck in this little place as the kid got bigger and bigger and bigger and um yeah it was a i'd love to go back and listen to it and go oh that yeah i did i did live through that <laughs> that experience but yeah it's it's brilliant and that's that's a podcast that's you know uh my wife is a huge fan and she went to see it at, at the o2 yeah. you know it's just it's absolutely it's absolutely enormous how, how big that podcast has got but yeah Oh, it's very good. It's Josh Whittacombe and Rob Beckett, uh, to, to yeah, both both brilliant, um, and yeah, who are just talking to other, you know, sometimes comedians, sometimes sports personalities, or you know, TV presenters about what it's like to be a parent. They just both seem, whenever I've seen them on television, they just both seem very genuine, natural people. No side to them at all. Yeah. I don't know whether that's case but that's what comes over and obviously that's no that is that is the case yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is we all of us said no they're horrid <laughs> oh they're awful <laughs> yeah yeah Once, when the mics are off i'll tell you what they're really like oh what a nightmare my granddad used to work in the films he used to work Did for he? pinewood studios so oh he amazing he was a set dresser so um it was his job to go in and make the sets look amazing and stuff like that but quite often He'd say, what's this person? He'd tell you how bad and horrible all these people were. It makes you sound like all the movie stars back then were all rotters. Oh, that's a... Am- well, again, when the mics are off, you'll have to tell us who was, who was awful. Pinewood's amazing. Have you ever been to, uh, to no, Pinewood? No, I haven't. It's really incredible. Yeah, we, I've done a few. Because they, they do um, they do t- tele-recordings, so they'll do, like, panel shows in one studio. But if you, you go round the corner, there's the set of Star Wars there. Or, you know, the Harry Potter movies have been filmed there and stuff. So you can go and... You know, as long as you're not wandering actually onto an active set, you can kind of kind of peek your head around the corner and just see, you know, see, see the Death Star. So 
I mean, he liked his home comforts and his British food and all that sort of stuff. So I don't know how he managed on location, but he did a lot of the Bond films. Oh, so wow. So being out there doing Superman and all those things. So he went to all these exotic, amazing places. But knowing my granddad, he was probably thinking, I can't wait to get home and have egg and chips. It's <laughs> 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 all probably all a bit wasted on him. Oh, you know, yeah, he had a great, great career. That's amazing. Yeah. I'll have to look him up. What was his, what was his name? name? Was Wally Hill. Wally Hill. Because he's a set dresser, he never really made any of the the, the credits. credits. But I've got loads of memorabilia from his films and things that he worked on. That's and wonderful. he was always doing lots of DIY sort of stuff. He was always making stuff. He had to make stuff for films. And, uh, for sometimes things you didn't really want. People were like, yeah, thanks for that, Grandad. <laughs> 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 I can't keep this now. It's a horrible looking thing that he's made. And... Um, one time they were working on Santa Claus the movie. Um, oh, I, lo- I love it with, with Dudley Moore. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. They were trying to do the big scene where they go in where all the toys are, and they didn't have enough toys. And they also didn't have um, a teddy for someone to give to Father Christmas to cheer him up because Dudley Moore and Elf had gone missing. So my granddad said, oh, my nan, my, my sister knits dolls, and she'll knit you this one doll. Well, poor Ma, she had to make 50 dolls in a weekend because not only did they want the one for the thing, they wanted them. This is poor old lady just knitting like, Magic, a, like in a sweatshop, you know, yeah, knitting yeah, all yeah. these dolls for the show. Yeah. And so that was it. So the dolls in the dolls in the film. That's a claim to fame. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Of course, now they'll just get one yeah, doll yeah. and CGI the rest in. But that's that's incredible. That's really really wonderful. What story? What about AI? How do you think? I mean, I'm conscious of our time now, but do, do, with AI, is that impacting on your world at all? Yeah, I th- well, not currently. But the, the kind of the impending threat of it, obviously there's strikes happening in America at the moment. Uh, the Screen Actors Guild are striking because obviously once you've, you know, if you've got a person, you can just replicate that. You know, like I think people are worried that their image is just to be used, you know, you can do one day's work and that you can be used in, you know, a thousand films. Uh, so I think it, it is something that you need to kind of keep an eye on. I think... I, I, I wonder if we'll get to a stage again this is like me talking about lockdown I'll probably look back on this and go oh, you, you should have been a bit worried but I wonder if we ever get to a stage where like AI can write a script or a, a, a joke or a song that is that gets you in the same way you know because you think there's got to be all of our favourite arts the thing that we connect to whether we realise it or not is the humanity of it you know that's why we find jokes funny because it's a it's a it's a lived and shared experience that we're relating to in the in the joke. Can AI replicate that? I mean, maybe it can. I don't know. I had a funny experience when I was um, I went on uh, the Google Bard, uh, which is the the Google version of AI. I got an email saying, you know, as a somebody uses Gmail, you can use Google Bard, and I was writing on Bake Off at the time, so I thought, oh, I'll type in, I'll type in, a, you know, what would you do for a Bake Off sketch? And it just reprinted a sketch that I'd written for the previous series. And I was going, uh, oh, that's not really AI, is it? That's just plagiarism, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, it changed a few bits of it, you know. You know, that sort of homework thing of, you know, change it a bit so you don't know you've copied it. But there were there were actual jokes that I'd written. Yeah. And I was going, well, that's... This, this phrase, artificial intelligence, suggests that this computer has taken it away and created it itself. It hasn't. No. It's, pl- it's plucked all existing work that's out there and go well i'll use that that which i guess that's how human beings right we take but it hasn't quite yeah it's and then you go well i'd be really i'd be really gutted if i lost my job because a computer was able to just recreate the stuff i'd done in the previous you know if i'd done actually the hard work 
and they got all yeah, the... Yeah, but you've taught it and it's killed you. It, absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. It's I like, you know, it's, it's Rise of the Robots, isn't it? Yeah. Well, they have done it with music and they've done it with pieces of art, haven't they? And yeah. there's always been something missing. Yeah. You can't put your finger on it. Exactly, but it's just not what a human would deliver. It's got the soul, or the heart, or the nuance, or the wit, or whatever it is. Yeah, well, it's 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 like it's like when you watch, um, you know, any of those films where they've kind of done a motion capture. It never really looks like a real person. I mean, who knows? Maybe one day it will. But you don't. You feel like there's something missing behind the eyes that doesn't really feel like you're watching a a genuine performance. So I, I don't know. I mean, I hope I hope it doesn't. I think it's really interesting that, that America is sort of sitting up and paying attention. And yeah. I think whatever hap- all the good stuff that happens in their um, in their uh, uh, their guilds and their unions, hopefully, will trickle down to to the UK. But um, I, I don't know. Space, yeah, we'll have to have to wait and see. Yeah. Well, listen, guys. Time's moving on, and I know you don't want to go, and I don't want I you to st- go. Stay here all day. day. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you both so much. Thank you, Chloe Ross and and Chloe Jane Ross, Chloe Ross, either or. Okay, Chloe Jane's fine. Um, and Matthew Crosby, thank you so much, and also Heather um, Masters for zooming in with us and spending the time. I'm sure we've learned tremendous amount today, in one way or another, with everything. So thank you so much for your time. The show will be podcast, as we touched on earlier, next Friday. You'll find it available on the website. This show is actually going out live on two stations. Not only does it now go out on Love to Be Radio, but it also goes out on Mint Airwave as well. So we're doubling up on our listenership. Um, so do tune in to us next week. Don't forget that the Orpington, the 12.30 Women's Company meeting on Thursday is Orpington. So I look forward to seeing so many of you here. Um, thank you again, guys. And Thank you. Thank you. And a huge thank you to you, my listeners. Look forward to seeing you next week, 2 till 4, Monday. This is the 1230 TWC Business Beat Radio with Jackie Groundsell on Love to Beat Radio.